0: what's up
1: what is up what it do yo
0: man end of day two
1: <sighs> feels like day 20
0: i can't believe that the exhibitors hall got canceled
1: me either but you know what i was able to find some really cool shit in the uh, junk drawer we actually was, we have a, we have a junk lazy susan
0: oh it was <laughs> amazing how many people were talking about hand sanitizer today um yeah that's uh that, that is the one good thing about exhibitors hall and did you see that um that big bash got moved to tiktok
1: i did i did yeah. hey. hey
0: hey what's
2: going on mr back-to-back uh you know i uh, you shirts i was in my work attire earlier and i had to get my party <laughs> shirt on man like nice. uh, i'm not i'm not showing up to the happy hour dressed like i've been you know doing business all day you go back to the room and shower real quick and you yep, yep. i dropped off some of my swag went back to the room and threw away all the the shit that uh, i got in that bag <laughs> <laughs> oh we just answered the question what's under ben's hat yeah
0: well that was the thing like i just um if i'm gonna get called out on a conference evaluation form which <laughs> might have been the funniest thing that happened all day today <laughs> um i can't wait to review the results of that so um, it is a uh, happy hour day two uh, vodka edition. I am Ben Muldrow, Arnett Muldero and Associates. I am here in uh, Milford, Delaware, and today I have a um, I have a Moscow Mule. This is going to be my backup, but this week's been kind of crazy, so I've got a got a thing that I invented. You ready? Ready. Anybody, uh, this is a Lindy's. Italian
2: ice you did not invent Italian ice Ben
0: it um it is uh strawberry lemonade flavored and if you take a little spoonful out of it and fill it up with vodka it becomes the slushiest most delicious uh vodka treat ever so that's what I'm starting with
1: all right uh, I'll go next. Joe Workstrom, with uh, Place in Maine. We are uh, in East Lansing, Michigan. I'm going with the standard Tito's handmade vodka right out of the bottle. No, I'm kidding. I am uh, mixing that with a little pineapple juice. I know orange juice and vodka is a screwdriver, so I'm calling this a Phillips screwdriver since I'm using pineapple juice, um, and it is fantastic.
2: Excellent, excellent. Well, um... I am uh, not a vodka fan. I do not. It's as my friend Amanda Everett, who might be on here, said it's. Uh, I like my booze to taste like booze, and uh, I've never been a big vodka fan. So I have a, a cheap gin uh, that I just put into a Negroni. So, um, so I'm in, enjoying a, a little Negroni action this afternoon. So sorry to break the rules, but hey, F it, man. It's it's the bender. I'll do what hey, I want. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um.
0: Well, what'd you guys think of day two? Garbage. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, pretty Joe, pretty spectacular.
1: Joe, you kicked it off. This awesome. Morning. Next question. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> you kicked it off this morning with uh, your better half, and uh, Kirsten Borgstrom of Place and Main Advisors talking about strategic communication. We did. And, um,
1: You've summed that well, up nicely
0: thought there was some good good conversation there um
1: yeah we've talked once or twice um do do what we've talked once or twice yeah Um, Yeah, for real Um, it was funny you know it it was kind of like especially that last half hour was kind of like a glimpse into kind of our dinners um so you understand how would kind of big dorks our kids are probably gonna end up growing up to be um but you know talking about you know there's so much going on in communication and you know there's a lot of emphasis put on either traditional pr you know we talked about the spray and pray where you know a lot of folks just just issued press releases and hope somebody picks it up and we talked about relationship building we talked about social media being part of that storytelling and really kind of you know honing that audience and realizing that you know a, a, a communication strategy is a lot like a business plan and a lot of folks don't necessarily like business plans or even follow business plans But if you go through the process of developing a business plan, it helps you, you know, the process is important. Actually, in my opinion, probably more important than the actual plan. And communication strategy is just the same way, which is, you know, understanding what is it you need to do? What are you supposed to be doing? And then that way, if anything happens, especially in a lot of the nonprofits that we work with, having that communication strategy is something that you can hand off to somebody else. So, but talking about all those different avenues and realizing that you still, you know, traditional media still is looking for stories that we gotta be telling the cool stories through social media. And we've got to be doing kind of that advertising side of that as well. So that was that was uh, the big gist of that.
2: It didn't find your chemistry believable. It seemed kind <laughs> of uh, a bit faked. I'm glad that you said
0: that. I was yeah. not going to go there, but I, I felt I was picking up on the same thing. Um, you, you know, th- the thing that struck me, Joe, was when Kirsten covered the she threw out the number about almost 70 percent, if not more than 70 percent. Of organizations are essentially operating off of no communication plan yeah and um that is i guess it's one of those things where it's like it's both shocking and not shocking at the same time yeah um where they know they need to communicate but maybe just don't know I don't know, well, like, and, you know, and I they're think just
1: was... kind of doing it by the seat of their pants. I mean, it's like right. a lot of small business owners. If you don't have a business plan, you don't know what your strategy is going to be and how you're going to execute it. You just kind of go with it. And you know, that will work in a lot of cases, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think that's what happens a lot of times more so than the business plans with communications plans is people just think, well, okay, well, I know what I'm supposed to do and just go do it.
0: Right. Yeah. It doesn't and, work. Great. That question, so, you know, the, the question that I asked about the how closely tied is the communication plan and and really even the voice to the director. I I feel like communication is one of those things that it's oftentimes difficult for a volunteer board to figure out whether or not they actually play the role. And, And I'm not sure whether we don't empower them enough or we don't direct them enough, or maybe we're scared. To give control of the communication to that many different voices
1: well and i think they're scared too frankly and the boards that we've dealt with unless they're unless they're a communications person um in which we've seen real organizations who have a communications person on their board communicate more effectively because that's kind of their job uh, by and large board members don't want to do it they're afraid to get in there and to be the voice behind it
2: oh huh. um yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things, like if you overthink it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And honestly, right. it, it should be just, it's a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation between you and your constituents. And, and that doesn't have to be that, that complicated. And when you overthink it, when you overanalyze it, uh, I, I think that you just miss a simple opportunity of, of keeping up a, a standing conversation. I mean, Phil, like when we had him on, uh, did a great job of of explaining that, like you walk into a bar you know, don't <laughs> immediately say like, hi, want to go home? It's like start a conversation and, and just keep that up over the, the course of, of your organization. And um and that doesn't even have to be a specialized person that has to
1: do that. But I I, and I love Phil's analogy on that. And I think that's one audience. And I think that was one of the part of the, the point of the session today, which is you're going to have different audiences. Not every time if you're a single person, you're not every time to walk around a bar and go, oh, hey, I'm looking to find somebody, you know. Sometimes you're looking to look for an employer. If you're looking at, you know, you have different tax based on the different audiences, depending on where you're going. And I think just kind of understand that. And you know, I think your 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 first point, Jeff, I think it was is great too. Of just just have that conversation. So many folks just don't have it. And but I think making sure your your conversation is geared to who you're talking to is important.
0: That I mean, that definitely goes back to one of my. I don't think it's just my I think it is pretty much everybody's shared frustration of you know we've been doing Main Street for 40 plus years and um, one of the biggest questions that directors constantly answer is what is Main Street you know there's this like why is it that we have not been able to achieve some sort of base level of understanding of, of what we're doing and and You know i mean i've spent a lot of time obviously thinking about that and and we've tried to simplify down communication as it relates to main street i do feel like there is some traction to this identification of these kind of five shared audiences that every main street organization has and and how you need to change your voice when you're talking to the government versus your volunteers versus building owners and property owners and um but it is, it's always good to really introduce the idea of a, a good strategic, but also adaptable plan in, in how you communicate and how you, you effectively hit those folks that you're trying to connect with.
2: That is a good point. Um, and what I used to do more of kind of the uh, strategic planning mission statements, it, it, a lot of it came down to like, you're in the business of trying to make this community a better place to live because nobody else has that job and if you focus on that you realize like everybody is behind your organization that anybody you talk to will be supportive you've got your own lane because again that's not anybody's job and and if you focus on that that will help drive your work and because i mean honestly it, it is true like that's that's nobody's focus and that's a, a real problem this slot is. <laughs>
0: Like, you were just
1: talking. I'm watching, I'm watching Ben put that in his mouth. I'm like, I am having such a hard time taking Ben seriously right now. It is so good. It's exactly how about tomorrow hey, I have an idea. How about tomorrow we, we do ice cream cones and we just sit here and lick ice cream cones
0: and yeah. Uh, <laughs> That'll uh, be a whole different kind of uh happy hour, I think. Um so <laughs> from there we jumped into Jay Slinsog joined us from Downtown Professionals Network and uh and spend an hour with us talking a little bit about the Reopen Main Street uh, website and some of the, the efforts that have come out of that. And uh, thought that was a really great opportunity to both see a really strong consolidated resource, but then also just see some great photos and best practices from around the country.
1: Yeah, next question. <laughs>
2: No, Jay's, Jay's killing it with that stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jay put together something incredibly comprehensive that has obviously taken off. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, covered it well.
1: The, the level of thoroughness and detail uh, which has gone into this site is pretty, not just impressive, it's astounding. Um, I found myself several times over the last couple of weeks go, oh, this is a really cool idea. And then would go back and it's almost become like a challenge. Can I Can I think of something that Jay hasn't? And I have failed every single time. <laughs> like I thought I thought of something really cool. And they would go there and be like, son of a bitch, you already thought of that. Right. So yeah. I mean, I think that his his work on that is just top notch.
0: Yeah, it was it's always cool to kind of see how um and once again, I mean, I, I think that it it harkens back to this very interesting side narrative that I think we all live every day but it's a it's kind of a weird topic where um you know our main street directors are out there on the ground they are are busting their butt trying to help their businesses and, and help their districts stay afloat state coordinators are literally you know their are spotlights on them how are you helping your communities how are you providing resources to them to stay everybody? you know, keep everybody above ground? and And then all the while there is this there's this kind of complementary field of consultants who make a living off of working with communities, not just a single community, not just a single state, but communities all over the country. and And those people don't do it because it is, the most lucrative field. They do it because they have a passion
1: mm-hmm.
0: for being able to help people connect with their places and and make their places better. And um, it's just it's always encouraging to me to see somebody like Jay who, I mean, he didn't create that website because somebody paid him to create it. Right. He created the website because he felt like there was a gigantic need, and he felt like he could fill that need. And you know, same thing with this conference. I mean, I have been blown away with the comments from folks at how much value they are receiving. And, um, on that note, we are not offering conference refunds for registration. <laughs>
1: um,
0: you know, it, it's just, there is a lot of passion. You, you can't be in this field if you don't have passion for what you do. Uh, we've got Wayne Carter who, um, is from i think deland florida uh, commented a little while ago about how short the lifespan of a main street manager yeah. is yeah. and um you know we definitely are not we don't have a support structure and a community-based support system that breeds long-term leadership right i mean i think that's fair yeah well and i
1: think that's that's the function. I mean, we, we keep coming back to this, that, you know, we don't treat main street like a, like the academic development organization that it should be. And, you know, because of that, you have underfunded organizations who have underfunded directors. Right. And so, you know, if somebody's, uh, you know, in a lot of States as I know this isn't the case because I know that there are, you know, numerous, you know, veteran main street uh, managers across the country who are paid a pretty good wage, but by and large, you know, you, you look at that and it's, you know every year you're looking at 30% turnover i think you know, i'm just making a number up but you know you're looking at i don't know that's that's a fact I if, made it up.
0: if you're going to make it up you, it can't be even you have to you have to be like a 30, yeah. 39% yeah
1: there you no,
2: go there you yeah go. Go. that's that's a, that's, go. A, that's a fact
1: you that's know we're seeing that kind of turnover and it's because they are under they're underpaid and underfunded and you know we're not we're not positioning them correctly and, and as soon as they get a job you know they get noticed for butt, for busting their ass in the main street community they get picked up somewhere else.
2: Right, right. No, that, that's absolutely the case. They, you know, you take uh, in a lot of instances I've seen where you you get somebody talented that, that younger and they get in that position and do well and they get snatched up. Uh, you know, next thing you know, they're working at a bank or a chamber or some sort of, uh, you know, planning organization doing work that may not drive their passion as much, but that, that pays the bills. And, you know, it's sad to see. Uh, I think that that is kind of one of the things that, you know, as a consultant that I've, come to realize that is is the onus is on us a bit it's like we've got to elevate we've got to do our part and i think that that's part of why we um wanted to do the the happy hour and the uh, three-day vendors like we've got to elevate this field we've got to work collectively to use our platforms to say like this shit matters it's incredibly important what these people are doing what main street means what neighborhoods mean what community means and quality of life like it matters so much and we've got to give it the respect it deserves and the resources it deserves. And, and so I think some of that falls back to us to try to uh, elevate that and, and not just like we know it. We know it. We it's not a matter of talking to one another. It's a matter of convincing people outside of our circles of these things. And that's what the challenge is.
0: Exactly. And, I, you know, whether that goes back to um, the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about um, small scale manufacturing, whether it was the the um, conversation yesterday with Kathleen Laughlin about place attachment, how do we? Maybe we need a better toolbox of terms, so that we can solidify the validity of the economic development work that's being done. Um, the the conversation The conversation in the messages is is classic. Uh, you know, Kathleen in um, Lansing is she very much confirms that now it's time to fix it. Uh, Otherwise we continue to lose so much talent vision. And, and, you know, that's one of the things where it's like, I think one of the cool things about this conference is there's not a single session on, Hey, here's, here's what it's like to, here's your intro. You know, it's kind of like, these are the things we feel like need to be talked about. Instead of constantly having this mindset of, well, I mean, if we've got one third of our our managers are going to be brand new, then we we're constantly orienting. And if you're constantly orienting, you can't ever advance. You can't ever you can't innovate. And um and then we Josh Adams. God, I love Josh. Josh was on our panel yesterday, and and he said he's he's only seven years into the main street world and he feels like B Arthur. And so, so, you know, I think that there there is this dynamic where um, we definitely need, I think it's fair to say, we probably need some better terms to help us solidify the validity. Nobody in the industry questions that it's valid, but we haven't been successful At getting that broad brush adoption we don't have the advocacy and understanding on the elected officials level we don't have the the understanding from the upstart business level like in in a perfect world your elected officials locally are sitting there going this is the first line item i approve because we can't spend a dollar better than investing in our place and then that upstart business owner says i'm going to look around and see if i can find the closest main street community because." That's where I am most likely to succeed. You know, th- those are
2: the things that I think we want to work towards. Couldn't agree more. I mean, that that you nailed it. And it's uh, it sucks when you say all the right things, Ben. Um, but
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really kills the conversation. We can't yeah. do anything else. It's like, yeah. yeah.
2: Yep. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it just has not. Uh, I don't know where sort of the... Uh, blame lies. I mean, the one part is we're up and against an incredibly wealthy couple industries that that dominate the conversation and that uh, mayors and city managers and council people pay attention to, you know, it, it's, there's a, a lot of of money uh, getting thrown around doing things traditionally, and there's not very much money outside of a community in making a community sustainable. Um Yes. So that's one thing we're up against, but it, it is like we have to do a better job. We've got to get the best board members in the community, not just the ones that are willing to be on the Main Street board, but seek out the ones that are absolutely the, the rock stars in our towns um, because they should understand it. Like I always come back to the, the, like the ceiling of your organization, your hospital, your city government, your university is limited by the place in which you're located. Like every entity you're manufacturing, like they are all limited. Their ceiling is the, the, the place, the physical space in which they're located. So if they don't get that, if they don't get why it's so important to make that place better, like they are missing the boat and, and they're kind of shooting themselves in foot. Like it doesn't matter how great your business plan is if nobody will move to your town. If your best and brightest are always going to leave, like you're screwed. And, and that message is something that, that man, I has to catch on. And I almost feel like you
0: use the word blame, and it's kind of an interesting dynamic. I, I would actually say that, um, that, and and I talked a little bit about it yesterday. But the thing that's so interesting about this four point approach is like it had an intended outcome. The intended outcome was building preservation, but what happened was they accidentally invented economic development. And, and I think part of the problem is that we as a movement never made the full pivot. Mm. We were never able to proudly proclaim what we were because it's almost like a drug manufacturer that tried to invent a drug for one thing and accidentally ended up creating something that did something completely different. Um, you can either roll with it and say, we didn't do that, but look at this new drug. Or you can continue to say, well, we're trying to, we're trying to figure out how to fight whatever. I mean, it's a, it is an interesting dynamic. And it's, I think it's always a good conversation because obviously the people who are taking the time to participate in, in this unconference are the leaders of the industry. They're the innovators.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a challenge ahead of us. And, and maybe um, this particular situation speeds some of that up. Maybe it, it puts this uh, sort of thinking more on people's face. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, you, you make a good point about the, the blame thing. But I, I guess I find, like, we can't, is industry, as individuals, as a, a collective group, like, there's not much we can, we can't control what anybody else does. We have to figure out what we do. Uh, we can't, you know, if mayors aren't listening, if city managers aren't listening, if elected officials, et cetera, are not paying enough attention, like there's nothing we can do. I mean, we <laughs> that's up to us. That's up to us to fix, to elevate our game, to uh, better make the case for what we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, we uh, we jumped over to the coordinators and leadership panel. Uh, Joe, I know you led that with uh, Patrick and Liz and Mary. That was a a
1: great conversation. Yeah, Um, Got to talk a lot about Mm -hmm. what, you know, what they're seeing, the communities that they're working with. And, you know, the, I think the overall, there's a couple of overall messages. I think the first one is, you know, almost, I think it was the same thing that kind of was brought up in the practitioner training yesterday, where practitioners session yesterday was, you know, we're getting the opportunity now to do things that we didn't get a chance, that we never thought we would. You know, the idea around when, when Patrick was talking about how, you know, their governor uh, started allowing outdoor dining and you know making it easier to close streets, making it easier to, it was like that afternoon people were out measuring. I mean, like, it was like that. I mean, this idea that, you know, we gotta keep parking for cars and we can't allow people to, all of that has gone by the wayside now. And so that, you know, there's been a huge embrace of that. Uh, Connecticut, I think is kind of leading the way in that realm, but everybody else is doing that. Mm -hmm. Seeing some of the innovative stuff that Mary's doing in Alabama, you know, with, you know, trying just about everything she can. I mean, I really give her a lot of credit, you know, the idea of trying to filter information, because again, there's so much, you know, talking with Liz and, and, uh, and Patrick, there's so much information that's out there of just trying to figure out, all right, what's relevant for our people and to be able to get it to them, you know, so, you know, I think part of this is, you know, we've used the phrase a couple of times, say, drinking from a fire hose. There's just so much out there and uh, to try to be able to distill it in a way there, that people can make sense of it and can use it, um, I think is really impressive. And then we talked a little bit about the reality of it, of, you know, when when do we think it's going to be normal again? And, you know, we kind of talked about being post 9-11. We don't know if it'll ever be normal, normal. But, you know, you're looking at, depending on where you are in the country, could be three months, could be a year and a half, two years. Right. You know, we don't know how it's how exactly it's going to roll out. So, we talked about being prepared for, you know, chunks of businesses to go out of business. I mean, if you're looking for a restaurant, um, you know, that's probably not going to be if you didn't have one by now, you're probably not going to get one in the next, you know, six to 18 months just because there's so much into it. So it's just talk, we talked a lot about kind of being ready and then seeing the cool stuff that's that's out there.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a bold move for Mary Helmer to say uh, on September 9th at, at 2.15 p.m. things will be completely open across the country. I thought that was a, a wild prediction. Um, so we will we will see. Um, you know, I think that... I just uh, came across an article yesterday that, that uh, Akron is doing a, a moto owned program and basically saying like, yeah, we've got a lot of empty lots. If, if you spend a year taking care of this lot, it's yours. I think that's the we need some some real serious action and creativity from the n- municipal standpoint to say like, look, this uh, building is is empty. You know, we've got an out of town, we've got somebody that's owned it that hasn't done anything with it for 10 years. We are getting it back. We are putting the screws to and We're getting it back and putting it in the hands of somebody in town that cares. Like that sort of creativity, I think right now can, can lead the way to, to take this as an opportunity. Like, Cities can get really creative and and, um, make some hard decisions that I think that they've been shy to make uh, of getting people, locals, uh, owning buildings, which will get more local tenants and give them the tools that they need. I mean, it's sort of like in the times of austerity, I think we're forced to get creative with what we do, and we tend to do more with less, and that might be just the thing that that downtown needs.
1: I hope that I honestly hope that's the direction that we go. I worry. That you know the struggling economy argument is going to be well we can't hold these businesses to as high a standard because nobody's making the amount of money that they used to you know that they used to so we've got to cut them some slack. I'm I think that's the worst thing a community right. can say. Um,
2: right, lowering but, standards has always resulted, you know, real positive. Right.
1: right, and and I think you've always made a great point about that is lowering standards just lowers the water. I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's what people are gonna to go to that lowest water. So the higher we can have our standards, I think we've maintaining those standards, if not ratcheting up using things like vacant building registry, you know, to be able to help kind yeah. of give municipalities a way to enforce, you know, having that type of, that type of approach.
0: Yeah, and just uh, just to make sure everyone is clear, if you didn't watch, uh, Mary Helmer didn't actually say what day everybody was <laughs> Um, yeah, I saw a big what hey, over there in the comments. Yeah, man, it was
1: all cats, too. That was the best part.
0: What? Yeah. Um. Last thing you want is Mary Helmer mad at you. Um,
1: <laughs> so, uh,
0: you know, I think that that one of the things that um just kind of seeing the the shift. It, some of the comments I think are spot on. You know whether we're talking about the fact Wayne Carter uh, down in Florida is talking about how he thinks that that Main Street communities are going to be able to rebound faster and and that there, there might be this this dynamic where we're able to better stick out from the crowd because of that capacity that is deployed on the ground and um and then you know Jack uh story kind of threw out the comment good news we've been taking five thousand dollars and making magic for decades and there is this dynamic that um you know Main Street is really really good at uh doing a lot with a little and imagine what you could do if you had a lot and um that's a that's a a pretty interesting um it's an interesting dynamic to to play out because um Mary Helmer did share with us that there is a move to Um, be able to roll in some additional funding for coordinating level programs and initiatives that can roll down to the states. So, um, you know, we might see some financial empowerment to the infrastructure, which could be a remarkably beneficial move, um, especially for, for the programs on the ground.
2: You know, I, I think um, back to the uh, what, 2008, 2009 crisis, and, and this isn't completely analogous, but, you know, as property values dropped, as, as the real estate uh, bubble burst, um, Main Street, and, and not just Main Street, I, I don't wanna always um, go back to that, but like traditional districts mm-hmm. didn't suffer the same because their value, like their real estate values that have been established over the course of 100 years to where, you know, real estate values and, and um, sprawl had just been sort of magically, you know, yeah, you build a housing subdivision and it's like, well, I'll pick a price, whatever the market will sustain. And and so that was so much more delicate or, or the that was hit so much harder because it just didn't have that sort of test of time to to establish its value. And so. Uh, I I wonder if if there's, again, it's not completely analogous, but if something won't be true, the fact that this has been here for a hundred years, those buildings, uh, um, businesses in those buildings, this center, this hub of the community uh, will be more resilient because it's always been more resilient.
0: Right, right. Um, Great comments. Ray from uh, Grayling, Michigan says, we're real used to being poor. (laughs) I do think that, uh, that, you know, it, it is, we're all kind of saying the same thing. I mean, this is one of those things where we need help in our storytelling. We need help in our consistent messaging because we deserve to no longer be in the shadows. We are a, a well thought out, you know, grassroots economic development engine that every community should invest and empower. And uh, and I think it's one of those things where, with the kind of folks that we've been engaged with over the past day and a half, two days, I, I think we're we can move in that direction. Um,
1: Let me jump in real quick, Ben. Please. I just want—I know we've said it a few times, but I am just blown away um, at what has transpired over the last two days, um, and and prior to that, 24 hours before that, the amount of engagement. Of, from people, um, you know, Jack story had mentioned it earlier, you know, there has been more authentic engagement, I think mm-hmm. over the last two days than, than I've seen in a lot of conferences a long time. And it's all been, I think, thoughtful and kind engagement. It hasn't, I mean, there's been disagreements, but it hasn't gotten, you know, I, this is probably the classiest comment section that um, <laughs> I've ever seen on the <laughs> internet. Um, and ha- most of us are drinking. Um, But, you know, I want to give a lot of respect and thanks to the folks who have been participating because otherwise it would be the three of us just talking for three days and nobody wants that. Um, But we've heard from great speakers and every session has had thoughtful questions and thoughtful comments. And if we can find a way to kind of bring this kind of mentality to our local communities, um, then I think that's going to that's going to bode well. But really, I mean, hats off to the folks who've participated here.
0: 100%. Yeah, and I mean, in that same vein, I mean, there are so many things that have run through my mind. I'm, look, I'm all for a traditional conference. I, I, I like the opportunity to go to a different place, explore it and spend time with people that I like. But um, gosh, this dynamic has really, I have to be honest, I thought that what we were going to provide was going to be a, like the best possible Band-Aid. Right, and I mean, we're sitting there looking at the numbers, guys. We've got well over seven thousand five hundred video views. We have well over a thousand engaged comments. We have um, we have presenters from all over the country who haven't had to spend a dime other than their time to be able to present. Um, I checked in real quick. Randy uh, Wilson's presentation from yesterday has had over 1,200 views. We've got no cost to the participants. Like, it it really is, it's amazing. It's amazing to see that when you have the willingness to explore these other formats, you can create truly dynamic experiences for, um, I I think, both sides of the spectrum. I mean, it's, you know, I hate a webinar, but there's something different about the way that this feels. Um, the the back to back sessions, the constant energy, the the constant comments with the underlying humor, and the the humor is being repeated by the participants, not yeah. just from from yeah. us. You know, it's, yeah. it's we're just not the three smart asses in the room. No. Exactly, it's a, it's an these are our people. <laughs> um, so I just I really really love it. I think it's it's been it's been cool to see and and cool to see how it has evolved with time
2: absolutely and and i think it just like yeah as serious as this work is like sometimes we need to lighten the fuck up like you know it's it's not a bad thing to not take ourselves so serious i mean it's it's important work we're doing but um it's also not life or death and to lighten up and have a little fun with it i think is really important and it should be fun honestly like working to revitalize your community should be a ton of fun and the best boards i've worked with are having a great time they get a ton of meaning out of what they do it's not drudgery it's a reward and we should should kind of remember that and speaking of of uh humor um i've got a t-shirt i got a conference t-shirt to unveil all, all right. right let's do it. Right. all right so amber put I, together I, I uh, the first one
1: i just ordered today
2: oof gosh you uh yeah i don't know what to tell you but here oh, is here's confused. the uh, uh next conference t-shirt one of, of two to be unveiled today so the the third in our lineup so the uh so you can get a get a peek at that the three-day all bender guys. i like that one i like that one a
0: lot and while folks are looking I just want to point out that um, absolutely nobody is uh, is off the table for being thrown under the bus so uh, Beverly is uh, it not only has she been around for 30 years but she has decided to um, to analyze our drinking habits and we apparently are similar to when one person yawns everybody yawns so uh, so everyone that is not speaking is <laughs> sipping so uh hey that's uh
1: that's I, a- I got yelled at by the way from uh who is it uh, danielle and thibodeau i mean to chug my drink
0: yeah you so. it's kind of like a thanksgiving right it's like together with Thanks, family really criticized um <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome so um moving forward through the day man the next one um i had an opportunity to sit down with uh jermaine ruffin and um, yeah. and what a great conversation! Uh, Jermaine shared a little bit about engagement, and then we just we were able to to have a, an opportunity to talk a little bit about that and uh, and just dig into some of the complexities of truly being focused on engaging the entire community. Um, that was a pleasure to have the conversation today. I don't know if you guys were able to c- catch up and if there's was anything to, that, y- that y'all took away from it.
1: You know, the, the one line he uses, there's two lines I think that, that are, are great. The invitation is not engagement. I think mm-hmm. that's really important. I think a lot of times we especially talk to planners, you know, ideally for a lot of folks, whether you're in economic development or planning, the ideal public engagement is that nobody shows up and you don't have to defend anything. And I think sometimes we gear our plans that way. Like, we don't want people to show up. We don't want to hear what they have to say because we think we're smarter than everybody else. But the idea of just asking for that is not, you know, is not an engagement. You actually have to do that. And I'm trying to remember how exactly how we phrased the other one. If if it's about us, but not with us, it's not for us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I think that is incredibly telling, too. I mean, I think so many times, you know, whether it's consultants or city staff or whoever else, you know, sometimes our industry has a little bit of an arrogance, like we know best. Mm-hmm. And if we don't commit, and we're not actually actively listening, then, you know, what we're actually doing more harm than good. And that was a couple of my big takeaways from that. Of course, I'm, I'm a huge Jermaine fan. I always have been, you I know, are good personal friends. Um, but, you know, it was just absolutely, that was a great session.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Jermaine forces me to rethink my uh, stance on some things, and uh, um, yeah, he, he communicates in a way that uh, kind of requires you um, get uncomfortable and look at things from his point of view. And I like that. And I always think that that challenge is is uh, benefits me personally and professionally. And so I have become a big fan of of hearing him uh, talk the last few weeks. And, and I think the streets are planning is going to be uh, in my new my podcast list. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting in, in talking with, um,
0: with Jermaine and listening to some of the complexities of true community engagement, it, it, it begs the kind of thoughtfulness of, you know, one of your mantras, Jeff, of fighting apathy and making sure that you don't ever confuse apathy with, um, with forced disconnection, with with this idea of the the community that has been told that their opinion doesn't matter, the the citizens that that feel like they have been left out or carved out or isolated or omitted on purpose, like that's not apathy that they have. They right. have something very different, and and they deserve a a engagement and a re engagement. They deserve the the ability to be part of that conversation and and um, and I think that was a really cool takeaway because it's like it, it's separating out some of the true complexities of what happens in a community. Are there people that are apathetic? Absolutely, and and that's a big big problem. But then you also have people that are alienated. Right. So how do you fight apathy and fight alienation? And so, right so, cool topic to start to walk down it
2: is, and i think it it ultimately comes back to and, and it's so important it's like it, it's up to you i mean it, it you can't keep making the same excuse as well they're just tuned out like no then it's up to you like if you want to keep saying you know it was sort of like well i got real tired of the whole uh, uh cliche on main street it's like well people don't like you know it's a it's a walking problem not a parking problem like that's bullshit. And the longer we repeat it, the the longer we're not addressing the real answer. Like, no, people walk everywhere. People like to walk. You've got a lack of of, of uh, you've got a lack of people, things that people want to see. Like, if there's nothing attracting people to your downtown, then you're going to have this problem. But you know, the great districts uh, don't have any parking. So it's sort of like you've got to fix your own problem. And, and so if people aren't tuning in, like it is up to your organization. You can't just keep saying, well, you know, they're to blame, they're to blame. Like, nope. If your organization is responsible for doing this work, it the onus is on you to try to fix some of these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then we kind of curved around with uh, Brian Friedman,
0: who I have to tell you was one of the more engaging CPAs that I've ever heard from. <laughs> um, you know, it's like when, when you have a conversation about something like a government aid program, like the Paycheck Protection Plan and, and uh, you know, the Idle grant and all the different components of the CARES Act. I mean, it, invariably there is a certain part of that that it, it's minutiae. I thought he did a fantastic job of walking through the complexities of that and, and both talking about the, the history of it, the, the kind of current state and then the future way that that the program might be able to help our our districts so um jeff i know I, you led that conversation i thought, I, it I, really I, thought well. he,
1: I thought he took a bag of sand which is how dry that material is and made stained glass out of it i think he just i think he did a great job sorry jeff
2: no 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 uh, um i've had did not have that analogy in my mind so i'm glad it's out there now um <laughs> yeah, Brian was fantastic again. Right, that's and we kind of put him on the spot last week. <laughs> like, hey, Brian, uh, so can you do this thing? Um, and he he jumped at the chance to do it. And again, right to to take a, a government grant program and a loan program and actually make it interesting was a pretty clever trick. And, and Brian crushed it. Like, really detailed, really thoughtful. It was funny as as people put questions up and Brian couldn't see the questions. He was answering them as he went just, you know, through happenstance by being thorough. Uh, And yeah, he also was kind of uh, humorous enough to to carry it through. So uh, it was a a good session and and I'm pretty impressed with uh, Brian's work. No doubt, no doubt. And in our comment section,
0: we got folks hitting on, uh, on kind of that allusion to parking and, and uh, Beverly just nailed it. You know, she the parking is never a numbers problem; it's a problem of not being compelling enough. Okay. And you know, I think that that's a <laughs> that, that's a really, really true statement. That more communities need the guts to be able to say,
2: right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we alluded to this yesterday, and that's when like a couple of the bad merchants get the ear of council, and you start building parking decks and and i think that that's the solution and like no it's an attraction problem if you say like it's not a parking problem it's a walking problem you're blaming somebody external and if you say and it's a attraction problem you're forced to to look inward and say like we've got some things to fix
0: yeah absolutely and i think that one of the things that um that is interesting about the the parking and and it kind of leads into a comment that and believe it or not we do try to go through and and really call through the mm-hmm. comment sections of everything that that's being said mm-hmm. we had somebody who um who's been participating and um and has decided to go what is she i know it's my dog she, well, she's, she's trying dog. to eat you well no she has a rubber canoe and she's just she's being a pain so you got to go into kennel all right sorry She's gone now. Um, <laughs> Is this a rubber canoe? Yeah, it's a rubber canoe. It's from mellow Bean. Um, so one of the things that was said in the comment section was, um, I think last night we came off as maybe being a little too anti-business owner, anti-merchant. And and I think that, that obviously anybody who has been in the Main Street world and this particular commenter had been, um, had been in the Main Street world and then kind of converted over into the business owner standpoint. And I, I just want to be very clear. Um, I think I can speak for all three of us when I say we all know how hard it is. And we know that a vast majority of the complaints that business owners have are very valid. Um, you know, I have lived firsthand sitting there in a store where the only people that walk through the door are Main Street board members who want to complain to you about something or kids that are asking for donations for their baseball team and um, and so there's so many frustrations and and it is a remarkably hard life to run a retail establishment especially in a downtown district um, but at the same time there has to be a certain motivation to make profit and you know the 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 lack of Willingness to explore hours that match up with consumer trends, the lack of willingness to um, spend the time to invest in technology simply because you don't like technology. Like those are not the tactics of a business owner who is focused on succeeding. Right. And we have to make sure that we have the ones that are desperate to succeed so that when they complain about dynamics that are not working in the district, then everyone can jump to those complaints. And I think sadly, we've gotten to a world where um, it's a little bit of a, a boy who cried wolf, where it's become a little too easy to dismiss the complaints of the merchants because they're so empowered to complain but not necessarily doing everything they should be doing to succeed. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's it's the difference between can't and won't. You know, if a business owner can't do it because they can't afford it, that's one thing. If they can afford it and won't do it, it's another. And, you know, I I coach a little league baseball and I always tell my players, like, you will never get in trouble if I ask you to do something and you can't do it. If you can't physically do it, if you won't do it, then you're going to hear from me, you know? And so I I think, I think of business owners the same way is, you know, if he can't do it, it's one thing. If you won't do it, it's completely the other thing. And you know, I, I reserve a lot more patience for those who can't versus those who won't.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, for for sure. sure. For sure. And, and it's, You know, right. It's a delicate area to ever call somebody out and and, um, but, you know, it also something that that has to be done at times because I've seen too many Main Street managers really uh, beat their head against the wall trying to cater to business owners that won't that won't do it. Not that they can't, but that they won't. And and so, like, yeah, I am incredibly appreciative of all those merchants, all those business owners doing the hard ass work um, to, to, you know, to run business. Um, but I, but, you know, I just want to be careful to say like some of them don't, some of them aren't interested some of them won't. Right. And, and so you have to sort of cut your losses with some of them and, and that's all, but, you know, and, and usually when I say that in a group of people in a town, what you'll find is that most of the, yeah, a lot of the merchants will be like hundred percent, like agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So,
0: well, and we've got, uh, Darren, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller, um, Darren has been there all along the way and, uh, not only Darren did own a retail and he made the point, you know, they had a store with no parking bias and no customer ever complained or ever mentioned their walk. And it was a destination store. It was a business that that people wanted to go to because the product mix that they had, the service they provided, and uh, they, you know, it was a specialty dog um, and pet store. And it was very much focused on people went there because they were excited about that experience and excited about what they were going to get and then he threw out a comment that I I really do love um he said when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change then there will be change and right like that's (laughs) that
1: is,
0: is spot on um that going through and and letting them know that you know, you can't just do things the way you've always done it. Who was the comment? Somebody had a a great comment that said um, it was Jenny Landis said, uh, you know, the business owners that said we tried that in 1980 on one weekend and it didn't work. And I think we've all dealt with that. We've all heard that kind of complaint where it's like, Oh, we've already tried that. That's not going to work. Okay. Right. Right. All right. We'll see you um okay so i have to comment because my mom keeps talking about it <laughs> um and as we all know you know we've got strong strong family support here on downtown <laughs> um so they account for seven, for for half of our membership of this group it of does people. it does you know we've got over 1500 <laughs> members and and most of them are moldrows or connected to the moldrow clan um and I think one of her big things is just the whole role that handicap accessibility has in uh, downtown experience. I do think that it's a very fair concern that um, that uh, downtown districts are notoriously difficult because many of the buildings were designed to, um, to exist before. You know, I mean, it, that's just the dynamic. But yeah, one a- ADA I'm was
1: not a consideration in 1890.
0: Right, right. One of the things that I will say, and this is directly to you, mom, um, there's no better time than now that we are figuring out ways to bring stuff to people's cars. We're figuring out ways to deliver things. There's there's no better time than now to be able to serve a population and a customer base that we've had physical difficulties uh, serving before because of um, what might potentially be expensive physical changes. I mean, we all know the complexity of ADA and, and handicap accessibility built into to all those um, projects, but you know there is this great opportunity from a business service delivery standpoint that the pandemic has forced us to figure out how to make it easier for customers right. to get things. And that extends to our handicap accessible customers.
2: Thank you, Ben. I've been feeling a little awkward with your, your mom uh, waiting for our response. So um, yeah, and, and absolutely. I mean, when I rail against parking, I, I um, do I've not been careful enough to mention that, of course, like we always need to, to think of being inclusive. It, it's my concern more is, is providing much more thinking that we need this as a solution to a lack of attraction. Uh, but it's certainly something that we need plenty of to accommodate the, the people that need it, especially those that uh, are handicapped. Well, and
0: it's a perfect example. You know, we sit there and we always try to do the right things. And then what we do is we codify them. And right. then it allows it allows the right answer to be delivered in a mindless fashion. Right. Um, we have a standard like 1980s uh, strip center and um, they restriped their entire downtown. I mean, their entire parking lot. And the next thing you know, they clustered all of their handicapped parking spaces in the front row in some far corner and it's like you know it was just all they were doing was checking off of a list right. but it, it didn't it wasn't actually helpful to anybody that needed it and it wasn't helpful to the business that they threw all the handicapped spaces right in front of so a good point thank you mom. <laughs>
2: Ben I, I couldn't I, I have to bring it up I couldn't help it you know when you mentioned your dog who was running around with the rubber canoe all I could think about was that movie Parenthood um yeah and the dog goes and gets in the the mom's bedside drawer and like what is that like ah it's my ear cleaner it's my ear cleaner so uh wow. that's, that was I I hope it's really a rubber canoe from L.L. Bean it um is, it is an L.L. Bean rubber clean.
1: yeah,
2: like, uh, yeah.
0: Hey, uh, um, but that might that might lead to to amber to design a t-shirt um <laughs> speaking
1: of speaking of oh uh, yeah that's right we got another one
2: <laughs> we do we do <laughs> i don't know what t-shirt that uh, would would be like but um let's let's hope she doesn't but uh here is the the second and final one of the day please stand by square it is, away, so it is live
1: sense.
0: oh yes i like this one the hello that's
2: a that's a solid one for sure so So, there there you go conference t-shirts are now up up to six (laughs) see let's go awkward yep very much all right guys well look we have um we
0: are are at the end of day two of our our three (laughs) day wow darren just warned you to be careful because remember my mom is online so um yeah um where she hasn't
2: the, seen the movie i don't know the,
0: the end of two uh day two of the three day <sighs> i think we've got a really really great um great wrap-up day tomorrow we'll be kicking it off first thing in the morning well 11 uh, noon eastern nine pacific with um andrea barfield the uh, uh, mayor pro tem of waco texas she was one of our earlier guests and a rock uh, star rock mm. star absolute rock star and uh we're going to have q and A Q&A session that's facilitated by Sarah O'Brien, who led one of our uh, sessions yesterday. Um, so that's going to be um, that's going to be really really good. I think a great way to start the morning. And then uh, where do we go from there? The second session is
1: uh, that's Jonathan Burke. That's uh, rethinking design. Oh well, no, wait a minute. That was that was uh, rethinking range. space. Rethinking yeah. space. That's what it is. So, yeah. Jonathan Burke with, Patroni- with Patronicity, Patronicity, I can never pronounce so it. Pat- Patronicity. Uh, Jonathan Burke is going to be leading that session. I'll be hosting that one.
0: Fantastic. And then we go to our midday um, pri- uh, Pride in Place panel. Panel to end
1: all panels. Oh, God.
0: And all panels. And that's going to be um, Jack Story and Phil Ike. Jack actually wins the award for the most active commenter um, (laughs) and and also hyperactive commenter. (laughs) He he has been truly prolific. And, uh, and then Phil was also one of our earlier guests and, and they're just gonna, they're going to have a really great conversation about just the role that pride takes in, uh, connecting people to place and how to, to use that as a, as a catalyst for change, I guess, is that best way to describe it?
2: Yeah, yeah, we've got some things to announce, but definitely we're gonna have a conversation. Now my dog is fighting with a rubber canoe. Um, We've got, uh, uh, yeah, to talk about pride, why pride is something that we need to think a lot more about and and how if we kind of thought about, uh, thought about a lot of more municipal decisions through the lens of of pride, that we could fix a lot of things in our cities. Um, But you mentioned Phil and it reminds me there, you know, been talking to Phil throughout the day as well as uh, Jenna Costa up in Michigan. And there's some, some scary uh, stuff going on up there um, with some dams breaking. And, and so I just want to uh, make sure that we recognize that we hope that everybody up in that area that's, um, that you're taking care, that you're being safe, that you're helping one another out. And if there's anything that we can do to to assist, please let us know.
0: Absolutely. Great point. Jen shared a uh, an image with all of us of, um, I think that might've been Midland's Main Street, yeah. Midland or Sanford, and and just water completely, you know, run over their main street, lampposts coming out of a, uh, you know, what looks like a lake. So, um, you're you're exactly right. We are, uh, w- our thoughts are with them for sure, and um, and obviously that's going to be that's going to be hard to, um, you know, if they need to do something else, if they need to take care of their own, we'll bob and swerve tomorrow for sure, yeah. um. So after your panel, I'm going to host a conversation with Jeanette Price, who, Pierce, Pierce, sorry, good gracious, it's been a long couple of days, Um, and that's going to be a really, really cool conversation, I think, it's, um, we're going to, I'm not exactly sure where all it's going to go, but I know she's there in Detroit and she's doing a lot of great things with City Institute and, um, and going to have a great, great opportunity to dig into some tactical response to things i am excited to see where that goes and um and then jeff that h- heads over to you you're going to be hosting the uh lady developers yeah that is quite a crew with uh, be a
1: great session
0: yeah no doubt with Allie and bernice and jim
2: yeah, these three are fantastic. I've I've uh, um, had a chance to interact with all of them and see see some of their presentations. And uh, man, like I'm I'm the biggest believer that real estate, uh, local small scale real estate development is the key to revitalization. And these three are some real badasses uh, in their separate communities and and doing the work that needs to be done. Um, so I'm I love. Uh, all three of them, and excited to uh, see them present about what you need to do in your community to to kind of cultivate local development. And, and they uh, they're pretty straight shooters, so I think that you'll pick up get a lot out of it. I think that's one of
0: the conversations I have been most excited about hearing. I, I think that um, that of all the things that I feel like we kind of ha- have an organizational weakness towards is I'm not sure that the main street world is as development savvy as we should be. And Correct. I'm really, really excited to have that conversation tomorrow. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really, really good at, uh, breaking down. Um, cause I think sometimes it's a scary topic to get into, you know, it's like, that's, it's, I'm, I'm not a developer. I'm, not, I i can not really go there. And, uh, I think it's going to be exciting to hear that for sure. Or oh, sure. Then we spin around to
2: the last call.
0: Yeah. Wrap this whole sucker up,
2: right? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be bittersweet saying uh saying goodbyes to the to the downtown happy hour and the three day bender. Yeah, it's gonna again, we've got some fun announcements for tomorrow.
1: Yeah, don't don't skip. If you were if you typically skip that last session of the conference, right. do not skip tomorrow night's happy hour I Yeah, kitty just announced
0: free bourbon, so
1: that's right
0: by the way kitty has served as kind of a room monitor for every room and she's um, been awesome she's, she's been great it's <laughs> been absolutely great so um well y'all thank you again guys thank you guys again for for being part of it and um and we are um we're on to the third day of the three-day bender and, and getting this thing wrapped up and I continue to be thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with just the enthusiasm and engagement and look forward to doing it one more day. All right, gentlemen.
2: Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll
0: see you tomorrow. Have a good Thanks. one. Let's go.